0: Welcome to This Week in Liberpods, your libertarian, voluntarist, anarchist, and agorist podcast test drive show. I'm your host, Nikki P. Let's check out five new podcasts. All right, our first clip today is the Cato Daily Podcast, hosted by Caleb O. Brown over at the Cato Institute. It's Cato, so you can probably guess what type of libertarianism you're going to get. But it's never a bad idea to know what the soft landing sounds like. And since episodes are typically between 10 and 15 minutes, it's not a big investment. Let's check it out.
1: You and I have talked about uh, national conservatism or conservative nationalism uh, a couple of times now, and this uh, piece by Adrian Vermeule from Harvard Law School what do you
0: make of it?
2: I, I think it's frightening, but it's also actually, I tweeted this, it's kind of a gift to us because he, I think, is going farther than almost anybody um, on this sort of illiberal right in telling us exactly what that means to them. Um, so so last summer or last, yeah, I guess it was early summer last year, we had the, the big, um, the great Amari French conflagration of 2019 in which uh, the Washington Post opinion editor, Saurabh Amari wrote this long scathing article at First Things Magazine, um, basically saying, the classical liberal order has failed and it's time for conservatives sort of traditionalist conservatives to seize control of government and not be so afraid to use the power or the sort of strong arm of the federal government and the state to enforce our c- conservatives vision of morality on the country. Um, and everybody freaked out, I think rightly so, including me, I wrote a long response at Reason. Um, but then in subsequent months, as he was pressed, okay, well, what does that mean? What do you actually think the government should do, for example, to um, what would you do about drag queen story hour, which is this great evil that sparked sparked his rant in the first place, That that was so evil in his view that he was willing to abandon his classical liberalism. Um, and he had no answer and he, and he said, well, I just think we need to think about being a little bit more comfortable with, you know, we need to talk about the common good more. And it's like, that is not helpful at all. Adrian Vermeule, on the other hand, with this article, he has gone a lot farther, um, at talking about what exactly it is. He, he thinks that means, and it means things like abandoning a sort of originalist, uh, interpretation of uh, interpretation of the constitution that says that we ought to care what the Constitution says and what the, f- the sort of framers believed it to mean. And instead, we should work backwards from that, from the, the sort of traditionalist outcomes that we want, and figure out how to make a, a legal theory or a jur- jurisprudence that justifies the things we want to do, up to and including uh, speech restrictions, uh, the establishment of religion. I mean, some pretty scary and um, uh, aggressive stuff.
1: So when he refers to common good constitutionalism, uh, he's talking about a a strong, uh, central government, uh, with, I mean, is he calling for not taking the constitution
3: seriously?
2: I think so. I mean, so up until now, the sort of, to oversimplify things, there was always this sort of debate between the originalists on the right And the the living constitutionalists on the left Um, and the originalists said, we need to be faithful to what the framers intended and what the words of the constitution say. And the living constitutionalists said, we need to have room for this as society and and, um, circumstances progress. We need to allow the constitutions and our interpretations of the constitution to evolve as well, to take into account changing circumstances. And to be honest with you, I am not like a doctrinaire originalist. I think I'm sympathetic to both arguments on both sides. But what both sides had more or less have always had in common was a belief that the constitution is what it is, and we have an obligation to respect. To respect it, and we may we may have disagreements about the the right interpretation, but we have some sort of obligation to sort of follow the document where it leads us, as opposed to what I hear Vermeule saying, and, and he was quite explicit about it in his article, which is um, originalism has failed conservatives, or 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 it sort of had a good run when we were out of power. It was. Um, It was fine to demand that the liberals who were in power respect the text of the Constitution. But now that we have power, we have a majority of the Supreme Court, we have the president, so on and so forth. Um, We we ought to abandon originalism and essentially claim the right to do what we like, as long as it's in accordance with the common good, whether or not the words of of the Constitution.
0: There you have it, the Cato Daily Podcast. Our second clip today needs no introduction, but we'll give it one anyways. This is an AMA episode from Part of the Problem. The format tends to jump around, but it's always Dave Smith and usually Robbie the Fire Bernstein. This episode should give you a good taste of Dave's vibe though. Let's check it.
4: We at least attempt to come out of this with something. All right, Jeffrey. Um, Jeffrey asks, why don't Bernie bros give up on him even when he endorses Biden, Hillary, and bails out the banks? That is a very good and a very fair question. It was one of the things that I thought was really great about having uh, Jimmy Dore on the show. It was nice to see somebody who essentially has. That's one of the things I really appreciate about Jimmy Dore. It's one of the reasons why I really respect that motherfucker, because he he will follow where his his principles lead him. And so he, like, Jimmy Dore, you may disagree with him on some shit, but he believes in what he believes in. And so if his guy, in quotes, you know, who he's supporting, goes against those principles, he's very quick to call them out. And I don't know. I I don't know. You know, obviously not all of the Bernie bros are going to do that. Too many people in politics in general, and I guess in life in general, they get into this cult of personality stuff, and they just want to be on a certain team, and it, it all boils down to tribal, red shirt, blue shirt, bullshit. But I gotta think there'll be more people who who see that this time, and, and and I and by the way, I think there were a lot of Bernie Bros who were upset that he did that with Hillary, and I think there'll, there'll be a lot who are upset. And I, I think it's going to be a tougher sell um, the second time around to actually get his supporters to go vote for uh, for Biden. I think that's going to be very tough for them to pull off. All right, Zach. Uh, writes what are the chances Biden makes it to the debates if so how many Fig Newtons do you think he'll have stuffed in his coat pockets um, <laughs> I, I don't know I don't get the Fig Newton part um, you know this, this goes to the thing I was saying before I really don't know but he will be I, I mean I'm pretty convinced he would be slaughtered in a debate with Donald Trump I, I mean I just think Trump would slaughter him it would be a, a shit show and so I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, like nothing to me would surprise me at this point if Biden's team came up with excuses to not do the debates or if Biden just ends up, you know, not being the nominee. Uh, all of that would be uh, um, all of that would be quite uh quite understandable okay uh, Daniel writes how do we arrange your appearance on the actual anarchy podcast to talk about Tommy Boy from a Rothbardian anarcho-capitalist perspective yes I'm sorry I remember you asked me this uh, you asked me this before okay Uh, sure All right, I I guess I'd I'd have to think about how Tommy Boy is uh, what the Rothbardian anarcho-capitalist perspective is but I'm I'm down to do the show Um, I guess the banks were leaning on the company right And then they're salesmen or something like that. Okay, I don't know. I'll have to think about it a little bit, what my angle on that would be. But sure, I'm down to do it. All right, Derek writes, uh, what's your thoughts on the fact you'll be regarded someday as one of the great libertarian thinkers in line with people like Rothbard, Mises, and Hoppe? I can't wait for the day I hear people saying I'm a Smithian libertarian. Well, thank you. Um, what are, what are my thoughts that I'll be regarded in line with Rothbard, Mises, and Hoppe. Uh, oh, how far we have fallen. That would be my uh, my thoughts on that. I, I appreciate that, um, and uh, we'll see what happens. But those, those guys are legit geniuses, and I'm an idiot comedian, so I'm not sure I should be regarded in that group, but... If I can uh, if I can fucking spread their work to as many people as possible, then I'll be I'll be very happy with what I've done with my career. I don't know. You know, I'll it's sometimes to me when when I think about kind of where I am in this liberty movement stuff, it's it's a little bit surreal. um, And it's strange because I uh, I was just I'm just a Ron Paul kid, you know, Um, just 12 years later.
0: So, as I assume you're aware, that is the Part of the Problem podcast. Our third clip today is from the Invictus Mind podcast by host Michael Corbel. As far as I can tell, the show style is self-help by hardcore libertarianism. Let me know what you think. Let's dig in.
1: I think at the root of voluntarism is uh, individuality. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one of the things that we always talk about is this collectivism, right? Yeah. You know, whether you're a leftist or rightist or some other political party, that you know, uh, like what's good for the what's what's good for the goose is good for the gander mm-hmm. type of mentality. <laughs> yes. But at, at the individual level, like we all have our own lives to run, we all have our own thinking, our own ideologies, and we should just agree to live cordially with everybody, right? Yeah. Because I, I think, I think a lot of libertarians are guilty of the same thing. They want to, they want to take their ideology and they want to force it upon
3: everybody
1: <laughs> right? else. And, and that goes against the whole philosophy right. of uh, what, what a voluntarist is. Yes.
3: Uh, and and not all, I would say not all libertarians are voluntarists. I mean, that's why I was just talking with someone about this this morning that, you know, you might be an anarcho-capitalist, that doesn't make you a voluntarist. What makes you a voluntarist is your commitment not not a preference for voluntary action but your commitment to non-aggression in all situations so not using the political system um like my run for governor i didn't ask for votes i i told people not to vote it was a vote of it was a run of protest and i still came in third but i was telling people don't vote for me don't vote for anybody like you don't need this system um and and so uh i think that's that's the difference is that i can be while I am personally an anarcho-capitalist, I can't force that upon people. And you can't, you know, the the means don't justify the ends ever. In order to get the ends you want, you have to start with a consistent philosophy based on those ends. So, that's where a lot of um, a lot of people who call themselves voluntarists are not, um, because they they still want to use the political system. And I, I recognize that we we have a political system, right? That's that is true but i'm aiming for a voluntarious type of society so i can't i can't plant an apple seed and expect a rose bush like you you've got to plant what you want and while i get defensive voting i understand that i i have every respect in the world for lysander spooner's work i i disagree with him on that i i am i used to believe that you know i used to i used to believe that you could defensively you know, vote whatever. I I, I get the arguments. Um, now I feel like I can't participate in that system at all because it it buttresses that system in people's minds. It it legitimizes it. So, um, I think there is a use for the the platform of politics, which is to get out a non political message, which is you don't need this. But if you are like I've had this argument with many of my my other libertarian friends who I love, that you know well, we have a political system. So therefore, we have to, uh, you know, use the political system to bring down the state. That's never going to happen. That that is just you you're never going to vote yourself free, guys. That's not how it works. You might use the political system to I'm not saying everything that you do in that would be bad. You might do some things that you think are very good. But that's still using a force upon other people And when you legitimize that, you've also legitimized the use of force against you. So for me, um, that is the difference in like, it would be the same difference in like what I am personally, I might hold values that I don't hold this value. But you know, many people believe that that um, here anyways, that say gay marriage is wrong. That, that gay people shouldn't be allowed to be married. Well, that might be your personal view, and you are welcome to hold that view personally, but you are not welcome to try and use a political system to force that view on other people who don't hold that view. So you have a right to be wrong is what I'm saying, but you don't have a right to bring your personal values into the public realm. And that's really what what um, voting and the political system do. They it, it's kind of a trick the the state tricks you into believing that you can bring your personal values to bear um and it does some of that but really it's all about them gaining more power over your
0: life once again that was the invictus mind podcast our fourth clip today is from Fritzcast, hosted by fritz steffi the show style tends to jump around a lot but fritz does tend to give a more measured mainstream look than i'm used to looking at which can be invaluable Let's dig in.
1: Another prime example of that would be uh, at a Bernie Sanders rally. Uh, At a Bernie Sanders rally, somebody got up and asked a question about, and they mentioned the passing of David Koch, and his audience uh, applauded. His audience applauded. You know when he's like you know now that we have Billionaire oligarch David Koch who's passed away And the audience started clapping you know Like you know celebrating the death And and Bernie Sanders I
5: completely condemned them From it Pleasure to be here Fritz Pleasure to have uh, be on the program
1: Yeah well yeah, Welcome Bernie Sanders again Welcome uh, to the program I, I, You know Let me play the clip real quick
6: of mega donor david Koch, it happened while sanders was taking questions at the minnesota
3: state fair here's a look
7: yesterday oligarch uh, david Koch passed away and we're going to be dealing with his uh, we're going to be
5: dealing with pollution and the radicalization of his politics i don't applaud you know the, the, the death of somebody we, we needn't do that i think what we can say is that the Koch brothers and other billionaires because of this disastrous Citizens United Supreme Court decision, have been able to spend hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars to elect candidates who represent the wealthy and the powerful and the fossil fuel industry, which is where the Koch brothers made a lot of their money.
1: So that was the that was the clip and that was your response to yeah. the situation.
5: Yep. And, uh, you know, we needn't do that. Uh, I absolutely... I absolutely, I eviscerated that crowd for for doing uh, such a thing.
1: Nah, I, I wouldn't say you eviscerated them. You, I, I do applaud you for standing up and saying, don't do that, that's bad. But I think you could have been just, just a smuck's denning harsher for that.
5: Perhaps a uh, smuck's denning harder for bashing Citizens United and the billionaire class being able to donate all these all this money. For the fossil fuel industry and all this stuff against uh, uh, against our environment.
1: Well, you know, maybe. But I don't want to keep you too long. Any updates from, from the field, Bernie, while, while I have you on here?
5: Uh, well, you know, uh, we're getting ready for another debate. Uh, you know, some people didn't qualify for this debate. Uh, some people, uh, Christian Gildebrand, uh she dropped out of the race. She's gone. Uh, She's yesterday's news. There's no reason to really talk about it. Uh, Really, in all honesty, this race comes down to uh, Joe Biden, uh, myself, uh, Elizabeth Warren, and uh, maybe, maybe, if she's lucky, Kamala Harris.
1: Well, you know, I think there might be a little bit more than that, than that you're willing to admit. Uh, Reading from CNBC, published a mere 22 hours ago. Uh, ABC News is going to be doing this Democratic debate set for September 12th in Houston, Texas It'll feature only 10 candidates in one night As opposed to the earlier debates Which split 20 candidates over two nights Some Democrats have hammered the National Party Over the debate qualifying process I want to get your thoughts on that in just a little bit uh, The candidates as ordered by their Standing in Real Clear Politics National Polling Average. We have Joe Biden, former vice president. We have yourself, Bernie Sanders, independent from Vermont. You can't be listed as an independent from Vermont if you're in the Democratic debates.
5: I've prided myself on being an independent candidate. I'm an independent candidate. I'm just using the Democratic platform to make things a little easier.
0: Yeah man, pick pick independent or democrat, man.
1: Senator Elizabeth
5: Warren.
0: I really hope you enjoyed that special guest over there at the Fritzcast. For our fifth and final clip today, we have Overgrow the System, hosted by Josh Baer. This is an interview-styled YouTube show. Let's not wax poetic, let's get into it.
6: Uh, well, welcome to my world, man. <laughs> exactly, right? What what did you do? I was a contractor. I started yeah. off doing a fucking, you know, a whole lot of everything. I was a commercial painter. I framed houses. I did roofing. I did drywall. Yep. We've Watch done, that.
7: we did all that shit to you, man.
6: Yeah, man. And then I fucking, I gradually worked my way up to being a stonemason. Okay. Like, uh, I was on a masonry crew, I guess you would call it. We were, uh, we were like a large company that built lots and lots of buildings and they had, uh, You know, they had different crews for each kind of work, right? They had like a framing crew, they had a finishing crew, they had an electric crew. I ended up on the masonry crew, right? Because that's what I liked. I fucking loved it, man. Laying Mm -hmm. bricks, making mortar, working on scaffolds with a bunch of fucking, you know, 80-year-old (laughs) ex-westerns that barely speak English.
7: (laughs) That are always mad for no reason.
6: (laughs) Fuck, man. I loved working with that ridiculously old Russian guy named Slavic. He was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You could uh, you could get through your day without speaking a single word. You just grunt and point.
7: Yep. yep. I love that. Dude like that I love trade jobs. Like it sucks at the beginning, but once you like get into it and you just do it, it's fucking it just makes you feel like you accomplished something during the day. <laughs>
6: It's like, uh, it's the real world, you know, like, fuck, I yeah. was, uh, I was in college getting some sort of stupid ass fucking degree and I dropped out like two semesters in cause I hated it and I went straight to the trades and it was just like a whole new world, you know? Yeah.
7: That's how I, I was
6: too. College all is of this bullshit. Blows. It's gone. It doesn't exist out here. We, we do what we want and yeah. we're more or less 100% free.
7: Yeah. And you, you kind of, you get away with shit.
3: <laughs> well, that's it's not okay.
7: acceptable. It's it's not acceptable in a in a a uh, cubicle environment.
6: A hundred percent, dude. Fucking, <laughs> I can't imagine if I had been in a cube. I, although, you know, I'd probably still have two good legs. So there's that. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I try not to think about that.
7: <laughs> yeah, that's always the rough part, man. <laughs> That's why I found this job. I was like, I got really bad fucking knees and really bad ankles. Uh, so I was like, all right, man, I really don't want to work outside all day and like lift really heavy shit all day. So I was trying to find something that would kind of give me the same feeling as that, but wasn't quite that anymore.
6: <laughs> yeah. That sounds but, uh, like me now. Yeah. Trying to find work where it's like, You got to hit all of these boxes. Otherwise it ain't going to work out.
7: Yeah. Because it's like after a certain point, you're like, yeah, I can do two days of this job. And after that, I'm going to have to sit on my ass for three days to recover from those two days.
6: Dude, I have taken jobs like that. Fuck. I had a, I got a job where I was, uh, they hired me to run a skid steer, which is uh, another word for a Bobcat. Right. Um, and then fucking two days in, the, the project that needed the skid steers done. And all of a sudden, I'm somewhere the fuck in Edmonton painting walls, like doing straight up painting work, which is 100% on your feet. And you're walking around, you're doing scaffolding. Like, I did it. But fucking, you know, exactly like you're saying, right? I fucking burnt out my legs. And then a couple days later, you can't walk. And you call in sick and they fire you.
7: Yep. Yep. That's the way it goes. After, your life. yeah, the way of life, man. That's the worst part about trades, because some trades, you know, you, you get into, and it's just like your bodily body physically can't do it anymore. So it's like one or the other. It's a it, it's it's a sweet life until it isn't.
6: Yeah,
0: exactly. It's uh, it's all fantastic. And there you have it. Overgrow the system. We have reached the end of the episode, so if you like what we do, feel free to hit us up at This Week in Liberpods on Facebook, at Liberpods on Twitter, or Liberpods.com. If there's a show you think we missed, send it along. Also, to this point, there have been no repeats, so it is absolutely worth it to go back to episode one and start from the beginning. Lastly, be sure to check out our friends at Liberty Podcast Ranker. I hope the test drive was worth it, and have a good day. podcast is a proud creation of the Mad Audio Lab. For more information, check out madaudiolab.com. This Week in Liberpods is part of the Liberty Hippie Podcast Network. If you like what we do, be sure to check out Homesteads and Homeschools, Peace Freaks, Cannabis Heals Me, and Free Market's Green Earth. We're living proof that libertarian doesn't mean washed-up republican.